the Women of Color STEM Conference presents Super Mega Ultra Women. Build up, not tear down. A professional development seminar. Featuring Cyber Technology Officer for the United States Marine Corps for Cyberspace Command, Renata Spinks. Director of Reintegration for the Louisiana National Guard, Joan Hughes. Senior Engineer for NetApp Incorporated, Mecca Williams and Senior Systems Reliability Program Manager for GE Renewable Energy, Nguzi Orubo. When you meet someone, what are your initial assumptions? Do these assumptions impact the way you interact with them? Our brains naturally place people into larger groups or categories based on the situation. In business, subtle biases can become major roadblocks to fair and inclusive diversity practices. These perceptions can have a real impact on career trajectory and cause contributions to be ignored and diminished. Join us as we discuss how women can help build and support each other's rise to the executive level and avoid undercutting each other. Without further ado, the Women of Color STEM Conference presents Super Mega Ultra Women. Build up, not tear down. A professional development seminar featuring Renata Spinks, Joan Hughes, Mecca Williams, and Nguzi Arubo. All right, you know, let's go ahead and start, and as people come in, then we will uh, engage with them. Does that sound okay? All right. Well, uh, thank you all for coming to, to this session. It's the super mega ultra woman build up, not tear down. I'm convinced this is going to be probably the best session that you guys have been to. We're going to claim it. All right. Um, so really the, the goal of today's, uh, today's talk is to just make sure that we explore some of the attitudes, some of the actions that we see in the workplace, what are some of the barriers that we go through, and really we hope that you all leave here feeling more empowered, feeling like we can really break that gap of women promoting women and helping women out. Uh, my name is Ngozi Arubo. I am a program management leader at GE Renewable Energy. And we have three amazing women with us. Um, to start off, we have Miss um, Renata Spinks, Miss Joanne, sorry, Jonah Hughes, and Miss Mecca Williams. Uh, they're going to introduce themselves. So we'll start off with you, Renata. Uh, good afternoon. Thank you so much for for coming and um, choosing to sit with us in you know competition with Miss Lee, who's um, doing a fantastic job, I bet. So. Um, a little bit about me is I am uh, Renata Spinks. I'm the Cyber Technology Officer for the Marine Corps. Um, what does that mean? I do a little bit of everything. So there's this thing called offensive cyber and defensive cyber operations. And so that's basically hands on the keyboard type of planning to defend our nation's uh, most critical systems from a technology perspective, as well as um, introduce effects for those who um, continue to penetrate our systems and technology and extract data. So there's different presidential directives and authorities that allows us to fight a different kind of fight on a keyboard through information warfare. So um, it's kind of like, I like to describe it as um, my son plays this game on, on the PlayStation, those little fighting games. It's kind of like that, <laughs> but you're typing on a computer and you're, 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 trying to, you're trying to stop the other person from getting your information. So 
That's what I do. Um, I, I work directly for the United States Marine Corps Cyberspace Command, who is also um, a part of the NSA and Cyber Command. So I report directly to a general who reports to a commandant, and that same general also reports to a four-star general um, at the NSA and Cyber Command. So it's a, it's a bit different, some of the challenges um, as we defend the Marine Corps. We also have a responsibility under Cyber Command that, that talks about the Department of Defense Information Network, so everything within the Department of Defense. Um, I also have my own company, the Boss Lady Network. Um, that's basically a network of women and men who provide all kinds of different services from coaching to medical advice to um, leadership, et cetera. So that's what I do um, in my off time when I'm not busy uh, doing cyber stuff. And um, I'm happy to be here. Hello. Good afternoon. Can you all hear me? Fantastic. Thanks for spending this afternoon with us. Um, my name is Mecca Williams. I am a senior engineer for NetApp. And if you were at the technology luncheon yesterday, you heard us call it the data authority. <laughs> uh, we are actually the hybrid cloud data authority. In addition to that, and I bring that up because I am currently focused on QA cloud enablement. So my team owns the automation infrastructure for all of the QA for all of NetApp product solutions. And my focus right now is specifically cloud tooling. So we have solutions that run in all of the major hyperscalers, Amazon Web Services, Azure, and Google Cloud Platform. And we automate, right? Because automation is key. Automation is the key to productivity. I have been in the software engineering industry for 20 plus years, not to date myself. But I started out in embedded development. Uh, I've done device driver work. I am low level. I am in the middle of the stack. I've been at the top of the stack. I'm a techie. I, um, I like all the typical techie stuff, like Star Wars and Lord of the Rings. And yeah, so um, I am very interested and intrigued by technology. I love how it changes, and I love staying current with it. And um, I am excited for this conversation today. Um, as you can imagine, if you are in the tech field or as you may have experienced, there's not a lot of us, right? So it is very important that we support each other. And it's very important that we have these conversations on how we can do that better. So thank you for being here. Good afternoon, ladies. I am Jonah Hughes. I am a colonel in the Louisiana National Guard that will be retiring in the next 90 days or less. Oh. <laughs> Congratulations. Um, I am not from the cyber world. I'm not from the tech world. I am basically an officer who's been in the Guard for 31 years um, and had the opportunity of serving in the area of human resource and logistics. Currently, the position that I hold is in reintegration, so I deal with all the service piece of that with service members and their families, providing them resourcing, and that resourcing consists of family programs and children to conclude um, military funeral honors, um, resilience program that goes with suicide <coughs> prevention, um, also transition um, benefits and employment. And this weekend, I'm just here to empower 
you all, like we all need to be empowered, each other, that we can continue the journey of life in the midst of our jobs and the things that we do on a personal side. So with that, um, I encourage you all to participate this evening and allow this to be your opportunity to do and ask us whatever questions that you feel free to ask that will help you feel like you have gotten what you need from us. Thanks. Awesome, thank you. So we're just gonna go ahead and we're gonna jump right into the session. Um, I will say that, you know, we spent a lot of time really preparing for this. So we have a couple of questions that we've kind of fielded thinking it would offer a good candid conversation, but we still wanna make this as interactive and engaging as possible. And we know that some of these things may not be what's on your mind. So after every question, please feel free to come stand up or write something down and bring it up to the table. So we'll try to field back and forth as much as possible. One question from here and then something from the audience if there's something that's pressing. Does that sound good? Awesome. All right. So with that, we'll, we'll jump into the first question. And uh, that is, do we think that we as women are our biggest promoters or inhibitors? And follow up to that is, do we open doors for each other or do we find that we hinder our growth? Oh, I guess we're going to start with me. <laughs> um, so right out of the gate, I, I do think that there are situations where we as um, women hinder ourselves by the hindrances of each other. Um, I think that we as black colored women hinder ourselves. So it, it's, it's a combination of not just of race, but as well as our gender as a whole. I think that sometimes we, or some of us, at least I have experienced um, resistance, um, lack of support from other women, no matter what race, no matter what creed, no, ma no matter what religion. Because honestly, I didn't get to know those personnel that well to know what their religion was or where they were from. I just knew that this was another woman and I, I had this level of comfort immediately because it was a woman. And I looked at it to say, she understands me because she experiences some of the same things I experience because she is a woman. So to answer your question, yes. Do we open doors? I think there are some opportunities where doors have been open. I am the recipient of doors being opened by another female. Her name is Deputy Commandant of Information, you know, Loretta Reynolds. She's a, currently a three-star Lieutenant General in the Marine Corps. She is the epitome of diversity and inclusion. She is the epitome of advocating for a space for women and diverse thinking. She is a hard charge. You are not just going to walk up and say, because I'm a woman, you should support me. She, so there's a big qualification where she likes to use qualified talents and qualified expertise. So I've seen both sides of the nickel. I've seen not having support from women, and I've also experienced having support from women. So I think both exist. Right. I think for myself, like you were saying, I've been on the 
other side where I was in a very male dominant um, role of basically mostly men in my career. And so with that, um, how I was able to come on full time for the Louisiana National Guard as a civil service employee was because of a female who saw the talent in me and allowed me the opportunity to have those opportunities. And she retired as a major general for the Louisiana National Guard. So she was the trailblazer for myself. And then she provided those opportunities where I don't think I would have had those opportunities to become a trailblazer myself as an African-American female. So with that, um, I've seen where, for me, women in, the, in my organization have definitely been not inhibitors I find that, like you said, women of color, when we come among each other, we just need to be more authentic with each other and realize that we're not a threat to each other. We're here to love on each other and support each other. I think that women are diverse, right? Like, just like any other group, you can't put us all in one category. So you will find women that will support you and you will find women that won't. I think as a woman, when you find women that don't support you, you're more sensitive to it. So you notice it more because you expect that camaraderie, you expect that commonality to breed support all on its own. But just like I said, we're diverse and different and you don't always find that. I know for me personally, I've, I've had the unique experience being in tech and it being male dominated to mostly have worked for women. And I can honestly say that I would not have had the opportunities that I've had if it were not for those women my biggest, my biggest advocates, whether they work with directly with me or not, are all women. I actually have never had a man advocate openly for me. I've never had a male mentor. So I think your experience may vary. I think you'll find both. But I do think we need to encourage all women to support each other, especially when we're the minority group. We really do have to support each other. And we have to go get those young women and support them too and encourage them. Yes, sure, we sure, want sure, that. Sure, <laughs> I've been, my name is Tamla Martin. I've been with General Motors for 19 years. And like you, or most of you, I've had very positive experiences with women. I was hired by a black woman, and I've had um, different women men mentors within the company to help me get to where I am now. My issue is that I want to do the same. But you will see coming into this into my corporation, I'm in manufacturing engineering, very male dominated. And so when I see another young female come in, uh, especially African American, I want to reach out to her, be friendly towards her. And you'll find they kind of brush you off. Mm -hmm. How, you know, how, I can't make you receptive of what I'm trying to give to you, but it's like disheartening at times. And then how do you kind of overcome that? And I, I still want you to succeed. So what do you do in that situation? So, so let me help you with what you're experiencing. You're experiencing a same gender phobia. Mm -hmm. That's what you're experiencing. Mm -hmm. That person sees you and they know who you are and what you are. So I don't want to connect to you because people will perceive that the only reason why I am successful is because another person who looked like me hooked me up. I call that the same, same sex, same gender phobia. And through all transparency and honesty, I have felt that way, which is why I recognize mm -hmm. it. I have 
deterred myself away from women, no matter what color they were, because I didn't want my male counterparts, since they are the most dominating gender within the STEM fields, to say, well, she's a diversity hire. She's a check in the box. So that's probably what you're experiencing. Um, thank goodness for women who pulled me to the side and called it out to me and said, I am not here to help you. I am here to help you see what your vision may be clouded from. They didn't use the word help because she was mature enough to know that that was gonna, it was already turning me off. I was already like, oh, I don't wanna, you know, cause I want to make it on my own and I want people to know that I got here because of I'm qualified. And so that's what you're experiencing. Um, am I advising you to pull that person to the side? No, I really don't know the culture. I don't know how that person would respond. So it's, it's a delicate dance. Um, it's actually a symphony on that. Mm -hmm. I think you probably, um, should spend some time getting to know that person from afar. Learn, learn about what they are working on, what are those projects, and just approach it professionally at first, because um, there's a lot you can do in the shadows that don't have to be out in the open. Um, I, I've actually done that for a ton of females because I don't want them to have to think of that stigma that I had when there was no one to help me work through that. So it, it could just be, maybe you don't say anything to that person, maybe you don't talk to that person, but but it's not from a, a standoffish perspective. It is, how do I allow where I sit in the organization to keep my eye on what that person is doing and then find strategic ways mm -hmm. to make sure you're bringing visibility to that person. Say that person's name, but in order to say that person's name with validity, you have to know what they're working on. You got to know their performances um, because you, you just don't want to have a Renata. And there were times when I asked people, quit saying my name. You don't even know my project. You don't even know what I'm doing because it was having the reverse effect. So it, you just, you, you know, I hope that's just something for you to think about. Can I uh, chime in on that one as well? Um, what you said, it hit me hard because I was that girl that mm -hmm. didn't want to really speak with you because she didn't want to make it seem as if her her success was coming off of your back. Mm -hmm. And so I spent the majority of my time, you know, networking and trying to get mentorships from other women, right? That were probably no, they weren't. They weren't my color. We're going to be candid, right? They weren't my color, right? And and I felt like, oh, you know, they would be the ones because they were the ones that were high up, they could get me there. And it took me hitting rock bottom in my career a year and a half ago where I was almost about to quit and walk away for, you know, the equivalent to you, right? Somebody that wanted to help me and mentor me. It took that woman to pull me aside in as much as I didn't communicate with her a lot. And she literally picked me up to where I am right now. And so I, am, I apologize for not, you know, reaching out more but I am grateful to have a mentor like that. Someone who didn't just leave and was like, oh, you know, leave her alone, let her do what she, let, let her fend for herself, but rather still saw me as, you know what, she's young, she needs to learn. I'm still gonna have her back and help her get there. So I would say she's gonna need you one day maybe. Just be patient. Yep. Yeah, and then know maybe what kind of person that person is, you know, um, because Sometimes it could be an age thing. It could be not really knowing how to yet network in the organizations. 
and not yet have reached that maturity in that arena. So mm -hmm. needing some guidance, you know, in regarding that. No, I just, I agree with everything everyone has said. And I think the patience part is important. If this, um, this desire to help comes from inside you, right? That's your passion. Then the response of the individual person isn't as important as it is. As Renata said, maybe there are ways you can silently help and reach out and, and work kind of around her apprehension right now. And I do think it is maturity. And as she gets older, some people do have to learn the hard way. Um, I think some of the, I know in, in my field as, as it's male dominated, it's also not very black. I mean, just to speak openly and, and, and let's really talk about it. I know there's this apprehension about there being more than two of us in any certain space and that meaning something. And, you know, it's like if anybody walks by that's not of the same color, it's like disperse. one scatter. Disperse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> disperse. Disperse. Yeah. So they're really, that phobia is real. And, and some people, I don't personally, I've never personally felt that way. I think it's good to hear from people that have and, and that have been in that space. And I'm hoping that if there's anybody in this room that's ever felt that way, that it's really good for them to hear this conversation right now because it is to your disadvantage, it is to your detriment to swat away help from people that are like you. It is. And and I think you can go ahead and come to the mic. I think you have a question. I think is um, if you're feeling that way, um, I'm going to tell you something that... Um, that I was told, and, and it's very important that I give you the demographic because this is a very powerful statement. An older white male said to me, men been doing this mm, for years. What is the problem with you instantiating that model? An older white male who mentors me said, why do you feel that way? Because I, I said that. I said, well, I don't want her to feel like I'm paying attention to what she's doing because, you know, she is a black woman. Why not? You know, <laughs> I don't want her to feel that I looked across and I saw a young white girl, you know, trying to do IT, even though it's risk management or it was code. I, I had three times and I said, I don't want them to feel like it's because they're a girl. That's literally what I said. I don't want them to feel like that. And he looked at me and said, how dare you? How dare you? Mm -hmm. He said that to me. And, oh, and, and it's very important that you get what I just said. An older white male older who is an executive, male. he is a billionaire today, said to me, how dare you preclude the platform that you stand on from those who are reaching up for you to pull them? So if you're ever feeling that, I hope that you can take that um, from the most dominated spectrum of personnel within the IT organizations that I've, I've been interacting with in the STEM field said, how dare you? And, and that was just one of the most powerful things that had happened to me. And that was very recent, like less than a year ago. Yeah. So, so my name is Sharonda Jeffries. Hopefully you can hear me. I didn't think I needed the mic. Um, <laughs> The question I have is, I heard you guys all say that it's been very positive with regard to your interactions with other women, and I'm not even gonna say other women of color. Mm -hmm. Sometimes though, some women seem to have the concept that there shall be only one, and the true mm -hmm. Highlander concept. Mm -hmm. How do you handle that? Hmm. I don't know, I, I've been 
blessed because I was the first in my state. And I felt like for years I was carrying this torch by myself. And I felt so isolated and so alone for many years of my career. And um, I looked to the left, I looked to the right, and I was just wondering when was somebody going to be behind me. And so for me, it was so empowerment to see um, this past year to be able to pin the second African-American female to the rank of colonel. Um, that to me, it's just, it's like you said, like the powerful white man said, it is my job and it is my duty to make sure that those come before me. Some look like me and some don't look like me, but that's okay. But it's my job to make sure that there's diversity brought across the spectrum because for so many years, it was the good old boy system. And I wasn't supposed to be in the good old boy system. But I remember a young physician telling me as a young lieutenant, you be the best token. And I was like, a token? And so he says, and when I say that, I'm not saying it to be derogatory to you. I'm not saying it to be racist to you. I'm telling you to be the best rising young officer that you can be. Because one day you will be making a difference in people's lives. And I understand what that means now. I am. I've never had that experience. I'm going to say that out loud. I've never had the experience where there's been a woman who's who's been who's felt like there was not enough room for both of us to be great. But I do think faced with that situation, I've seen it happen to other women. So I, I know it's completely legitimate. And in those situations, it's been more so. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you all have heard Dottie Lee speak, but she talks about when you're when you're when you get that negativity in, right? You give out love. Right, you, so and maybe not overtly, but you succeed and be great anyway, and you, sh you prove that there's room for all of us, but never show any, don't react to it, right? Don't feed it, don't, don't even acknowledge it. Just continue to be your great self and still be supportive, right? Because I, I think that's how you, you overcome that negativity when it enters your space. Um, I, I have absolutely seen this on a, on a very high and executive level of women competing and actually trying to shade and sh overshadow the accomplishments of other women. And it drives you crazy, especially mm -hmm. when you're the minority, right? But that's the only thing I've seen, that, I've seen that's been effective because if you react to it, you're starting, you feed it and it, and it lives and then it, it has a, a life of its own and, and you don't want, you just don't want to give it any of that. So um, my middle name is Disruptor, <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna fix my crown a little bit right now. And I'm gonna give you an alternate viewpoint. I've experienced it and I've seen it at different parts of my career, and at different parts of my career, I handled it differently. Okay. So if you had to know Renata C. Spinks today. I call it out. I call it out. Mm -hmm. I am not combative when I do so. Mm -hmm. I'm inquisitive. I don't understand it. Mm -hmm. If I encounter it, and I have, I ask them, why, why, why are you like that? Why, why do you give off the energy of holding this other person back? Mm -hmm. I've gotten resisting conversations. The responses have been derogatory. The responses have been, I'm making it up in my head. That's not what that person is doing. 
And then I've gotten responses that how dare you ask me how I am when no one tells you how you need to behave. So that's that person that just does not want to be held accountable. Mm -hmm. So there have been situations where it was so important at that moment because the values that were being violated at that time was going to be life changing for that young that young lady. And I I could not sit by sit by in my good conscience and allow it to happen. So I've seen both sides of the spectrum. So there's a battle and there's a war. And at that moment, because that person was so in at such a an impressionable time of her career, I stepped in and I said, you will not do that to her. And if you do that to her consistently, I'm gonna keep calling you out on your crap. And I did not say crap. I'm just saying. Um, but I asked her, I said, why are you like that? And and the craziest part about it is her question, her answer was, that's my position. Huh. Hmm. She's coming for my position. They want her because they think she can do the job better than me. And I looked at her and I said, why not teach her? That's right. What's the problem? You know, succession planning is real. I get it. It's going to happen. But I've trained, I, I just hired someone to, to replace me. That's what you want. Whether that's, you know, next week or the week after that, what God got for me is going to be for me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so I think if you have an opportunity to have a conversation with that person, then I think that, you know, you consult what's of value to you and what's important to you, and then you make an assessment of if it's worth having the conversation. Now, when I was the recipient of it, that was a totally different story because I was really trying to get that next promotion. That person was the person with the pen, the power of the pen is what I called it. Mm -hmm. And at that time, since I was being held back, I had nothing to lose. So I called it out there too. Yeah. Here's, how, here's how I feel that's ha what's happening to me. I don't know why you're precluding me from my goals. Is there something I need to do differently? Do you think I need to learn something else? What, is there an individual development that I'm missing? Mm -hmm. Because I feel you're holding me back and I could be wrong. Mm -hmm. And she looked at me and said, oh no, you're right. You're too young. You need five to six more years. Your goal to be an SES by 40 is unrealistic. You need more experience. You need to learn this. She, so then it was like, oh, well, I'm not imagining it. That's fine. And then I started to seek other opportunities because I knew I couldn't get around that hindrance. So it just really depends on how, how the situation is. Hi, I'm Donna Spaulding answer. with NetApp. And one of the things that I've really been focused on in my career, most recently, as we really talk about diversity, inclusion, and honestly, for me, it's about how do we get more seats at the table? So it's one thing for us to kind of preach to our choir and the other, I think the bigger effort to some extent is how do we start turning our male counterparts, our leaders who are of mostly a male status mm -hmm. into our advocates to say, okay, we need to start bringing more diversity into the organization. We need to start seeing more women leaders of all backgrounds at the table. We need to start inviting difference, thought, difference in thought 
And so what do you all seem to be doing? How important is that to you in your current roles? And then what do you see as strategies to help kind of turn the tide of that discussion so we have to break outside of our kind of our walls that we're in right now? Yeah, um, for myself, it was having those crucial conversations about it and calling it out, you know. Um, I can remember when reaching to the rank before becoming promoted in 2016, I had a boss who literally gave me an assignment that dealt with conflict resolution with dealing with joint staff because those people were from different um, organizations that was comprised of this section and they wanted me to be that liaison. And I got the position only because he said I needed you to talk and get along with everybody and report back to me what's going on because I'm tired of this one man keep calling me about the situation of not everybody getting along in harmony and not being able to cooperate and do the job. And I said, got it. I said, but out of that, I'm expecting to get promoted because <laughs> that will be now that time when staying in that position for 18 months where I will reach that goal of being able to be promoted. And so when it came time to entertain that conversation, it was like all of a sudden they didn't remember having that conversation with me and I had to remind them that it was time. That I had to even remind them of what our leadership said, that when you continue to mentor people that look like you and you have done nothing to mentor those that don't look like you, then you have failed. I literally quoted that to them. And so moving fast forward, I have reminded my boss and the leaders that they can't do everything by themselves and they need us to help to provide some strategies on how to make that become more diverse. Um, you have to support your local girl gang, and I don't know if you have one, and if you don't, get one. Mm -hmm. And highlight all of the accomplishments of the women in your circle, mm -hmm. and talk to the men leaders. You have to reach out to them. Like, if, if the whole leadership table is male, how are you ever going to break through that if you don't start talking to those guys, mm -hmm. right? And you have to have advocates of yours talk to those guys about you. And you have to talk to those guys about the women that you see doing awesome things. You ha we have to do this, right? And so if you, you tighten up and strengthen your circle of women advocates, and if you have women that are in leadership that you are not familiar with, make those connections. Um, and and I, somebody said something last night, you know, if somebody tells you no, you just can't do it with them, right? Like you, you find somebody that says yes and, and build that up. If, you, if there's not a support system already there for you to jump into, make one. But it is women talking about women. There are men out there that are interested as well and find them and talk to them. Um, I recently, I have advocates and allies and, and I only got them through other people that have sent me their way and, and I've started reaching out to those men leaders and asking them, how do you feel about diversity? What's it like in your organization? What are we doing about it? How, how can we move forward? Mm -hmm. If we don't have these important conversations, it, it doesn't change. Um, ditto on um, the two previous inputs. The only thing that I would, would probably add is we ourselves have to get comfortable with having the conversation mm -hmm. um, with anyone. So practicing with your girlfriends to say, hey, you know, I'm getting ready to talk to this person about, 
you know, if it's the president, if it's the VP, because um, it can be a very uncomfortable conversation. It can be. Um, but having the advocacy and the allies and people saying your name, um, I think that is very important. But I also think that there's going to be times when you may be talking to people you don't know, or it may be necessary for you to talk to someone who doesn't know who you are and doesn't know your accomplishments. And they're not around others who are talking about diversity and inclusion. So it makes it a very sometimes difficult conversation. So the only thing I would add is to find ways to be very comfortable with initiating the conversation, carrying the conversation, asking inquisitive questions that are not combative and it doesn't feel like you're attacking that person. Um, and use social media as much as you can. Um, I, I like to tag a lot of my counterparts and managers to different articles or, or things that other people are doing in the STEM field because it's known. Everyone talks about it. It is a rarity that no one knows that we have a diversity and inclusion problem. More importantly, I think for this conversation section right now is how do we also build the talent that mm -hmm. if, they're if they wave the magic wand today and every CEO wanted to hire 500 women in STEM, mm -hmm. I really don't think that they could find could them. Find, yeah. mm -hmm. I really don't. So we have a larger problem or probably equivalent. Mm -hmm. It's probably equivalency, diversity, inclusion, and availability mm -hmm. yeah. of the talent. Um, so I, I just want to add one more thing to that. Um, if you have a public forum, if your company does things like all hands or, you know, those kinds of everybody get together to talk about what's going on in the company. And if you have a diversity and overt diversity problem, stand up and ask what the company's doing about it in mm -hmm. front of everybody. Exactly. Right. Hold the leaders accountable That's right. for, you know, what is going on and what's not going on. And, you know, make them put their feet to the fire and, and see what they're talking about and, and, and follow up with them after that on their answer, you know, and check in and, and mm -hmm. see, you know, this is not going to go away. Like we're, we're, it's, it's bubbling up and I'm seeing more of that. So if you, and if you don't feel comfortable doing it, ask your girl, your local girl gang friend who you might be more comfortable asking, but get those questions out there in the open. You're listening to Super Mega Ultra Women. Build up, not tear down. A professional development seminar. Featuring Renata Spinks, Joan Hughes, Mecca Williams, and Nguzi Arubo. Brought to you by the Women of Color STEM Conference. Uniting women in STEM by continuing the press for progress. Be sure to check out our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. All right, so we're gonna go into our question number two. <laughs> 30 minutes into the session, right? <laughs> no, it's a, good, it's a good discussion. So how much weight do you think unconscious bias plays in the workplace? And do you think that also comes into play when dealing with people that may be of the same gender, but of a different color? So it's kind of like all of us in here, we're all different colors. Do you think that there is still unconscious bias at play right now? in this room because we're all of different racial backgrounds. I know it, right? <laughs> like we all have it. Yes. <laughs> so, so absolutely, right? We we can't get around that. And I, I don't yes, same gender, different bias. We see different people and we are programmed through our experiences to think 
different things, to assume different things about each other. Um, the, the key is working through those unconscious biases, understanding that you have them and not letting them uh, become barriers for you and not letting those, uh, those biases take opportunities away from anyone and, and keep you from providing your support and being open to learning mm -hmm. about yourself and how to overcome those. And if you're open to teaching others to help get around theirs, mm -hmm. I mean, that's a personal decision. I have a whole nother conversation on that mm -hmm. education part, mm -hmm. but we won't get into that. But, <laughs> but yeah, absolutely. I mean, anyone that says no is not being honest with themselves Damn. and how the world is. I agree with you, ditto, definitely. Um, because we all have them. Um, we just need to know how to look our own selves in the mirror. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, absolutely, I definitely agree that there's um, a lot of weight um, placed on unconscious bias, as well as the conscious biases that we have. Um, I am consciously aware that I get very uncomfortable when I have a Caucasian woman in the room and I'm talking about black women. I'm just gonna put it out there, cause I'm uncomfortable right now. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, got that off my chest. Okay. So I keep looking back here, cause I'm like, I'm trying to read her body language, cause I don't want to be offensive, and but I know it's a conversation we gotta have, and so I'm like, oh my gosh, listen, you know, and so. It's liberating to be able to say it is uncomfortable because you have the hashtag Me Too, mm -hmm. you have the hashtag, you know, women with equal pay. I can stem. You, you know, mm -hmm. you have all the hashtags that's that's bringing attention to all of the equities that are challenged and are, and the, the equities that are just not there. But no one is really digging deep in how do we unify as women and be comfortable with each other, no matter what race they are, and have different different conversations. And what what's your name right here? Jenny? Jenny, be comfortable enough to say, Renata, that was a little insensitive. Yep. You shouldn't have said that. I don't get that from, and my best friend is Caucasian. Her name is Sonny Thomas. <laughs> and we've been best friends since high school. And she will call me on my stuff so quickly that it has been so helpful when we forget that there are also conversations that the opposite race has to deal with as well, which I'm gonna just say it, the white woman's privilege. So I am consciously and sometimes unconscious with my wall that goes up immediately. Um, and so it's a solicitation for assistance both ways on how do we deal with that so that we can be more unified as women because no matter what, women are the minority in the STEM field. We, have, we didn't meet each other until we showed up. We work at the same company, but then we showed up this week for the meeting and we met for the first time on Wednesday. And Wonderful. we've been crazy ever since. <laughs> just, <laughs> just really close and, and we get along really well. So I, I listened to your comment and I, my question is, um, because we're all different, but we, we've talked about hair, mm -hmm. we've talked about color, yeah. we've talked, we, we just, we're really open. Mm -hmm. I'm a lot older than those two over there. Mm -hmm. We've talked about that. So. The, the bias that we're talking, is that something that we as women 
create and we're just not aware? And then what makes it that and then makes it this? Because this is awesome. So, so I will say that I think it is something we have created. Me too. Um, I go back to growing up in Louisiana <laughs> in a very diverse family. So, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so, it is easy for me to talk to anyone, me no matter who, who it is. But that's not always the case with others who exactly. have come up in a different setting, Home. who's dealt with things that are very um, opposite of what I grew up with, which, which, which was a very, is, is a, I have a very diverse family. Um, but I do think it is something that is imposed upon, it's something we create because even as a child, when you're on the playground, you see those memes that they send out all the time where, you know, children are just loving human beings mm -hmm. from birth. That is how God has designed us as human beings, to be loving, no matter what. So where it comes from is, and this is going to sound so insensitive, but all the talk of how different we are, that's where it comes from. Mm -hmm. It comes from you're experiencing this because you're different. When I've experienced a lot of things because I wasn't qualified, I still needed some growth. But I was provided, well, it's, he's doing you like that because you're a black girl. People would tell me that. And so it is something that is conscious and unconscious sometimes mm -hmm. because of the way we are culturally taught and ingrained. And I think it is purposeful when we say, you know what? I am not going to believe that that is the reason until you show me things that make me know that that is the reason. And my experience, when I started thinking like that, to say, no, do you really think that that's what it is? Yes, that's what I think it is. Oh, okay. I would just ask them. You know, somebody said that that's why. Is that why? Because I don't know how to handle this. You know, I don't know how to change my color. I definitely can't change, you know, what I, what I, where I go to the bathroom. I mean, I could nowadays, but I don't want to. So, you know, I, I'm just, and you know what that person said to me? He said to me, no, that's not why. You failed on this, 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 this. <laughs> but I was like, oh, is that it? Okay, great. So how can I get better? But I don't know if that happens a lot with everyone else. But I, to answer your question, because um, I think I, I need to pass the mic. To answer your question, I think it is a mix of it is taught to us as human beings. And in some cultures, it is learned from birth just because of some of the experiences that we've had historically um, in, the, in, our, in our Americas and that history that we, we can't seem to ignore. I just, I just wanna say that when we think of the term unconscious bias, we sometimes think of it as so negative, like, oh, unconscious bias, mm -hmm. that's the worst thing in the world. To me, I think unconscious bias is great because it's saying that yes, we all have it, right? Mm -hmm. It's unconscious, it's not something that we are just automatically innate putting out there. It's an unconscious feeling. It's an unconscious bias towards someone. And the key to it is becoming aware, mm -hmm. right? Exactly. The key is understanding that, yeah, I might look at you. You're a little bit different than me. All right, I got that out the way. Now let's function as women, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think that's one of the things that, heck, as a world, we need to start understanding that 
it's not a bad thing. We just need to be aware of it, that when we see somebody, our first impression of them may not be exactly what they are. And once mm -hmm. we get past that, then we can get past all of this, This, uh, you know, you're a white woman. Mm -hmm. Heck, my unconscious, I'm Nigerian, right? Nigerian-American. And I sometimes feel unconscious bias towards African-American women because I feel like we come from different cultural backgrounds. Mm -hmm. But we're gonna get past all of that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. I think you, you four also, being here together, you found something in common that mm -hmm. you can just check off right away. Yep. Right? Yep. Yeah. And that brought you closer. Whereas when you're at work, especially if you work in different groups and functions and you're busy, you go to work, you're focused on doing your job and, and your propensity towards the other is really low. Like you're like, uh, I'm going to go to do my job. <laughs> I, and this is, <laughs> I don't have any Back cycles up. to get into that. And this is me. And I, I, I am a, I am guilty of this. I am, I am only, only, only like I am an only in like 10 different categories in my career uh, for most of my career. And so I had to be very conscious about opening myself up to being ex accepted as other and putting myself out there and making myself more welcoming, as irritating as that might be for an introverted engineer, mm -hmm. right? But it is important because we can't do our jobs alone and especially we especially want to make sure we're welcoming other women. And as you mature in your career, it becomes more important for younger women to feel like they can come to you, right? So it's, it's that finding that common bond, which is harder to do in your office or at work than being at a conference outside the office where you're like, oh, hey, we're all at Women of Color. Let's go get lunch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we're coming to your question. But one other thing that we talked about very earlier that um, it was kind of glossed over, but not purposely, but we can't be afraid to gather we can't be afraid yeah. to be seen with each other yeah. and for someone to say, oh, my God, what is going on over there? Um, oh, do you see? The, oh, man, look in the break room. <laughs> uh -oh. the you know, they're probably gossiping. You know, they're going <laughs> to say that. They're, they're probably talking about Betty Crocker in the last, you know. It, we can't be afraid of that. I actually welcome it. When I see it, I laugh, and, and it's really funny. And I kind of say, are you guys coming over to talk to us? <laughs> you want to come get some of this girl power? Yep. <laughs> you know? Um, because what helps me is that most times when we're experiencing that from males, we forget that they have women in their lives. They have wives. They have daughters that they care immensely about. Mm -hmm. And so when you think of that and you see that, I'm kind of making him uncomfortable because we are gathered. Then that's why I hit the jovial humorous to say, you see all this girl power in here? Come in here. Especially if they have kids or a wife. Because I'll say, you know, how's your wife doing? Mm -hmm. While I'm gathered. So that they see there's nothing threatening going on here. Don't be scared. You know, don't, don't be, be don't scared. be afraid. But but <laughs> but you know, we women, we have presence. We do. And when we gather, sometimes that's a lot. And it's too much for people to deal with. Especially men. You know, especially <laughs> men. I mean, think about it, ladies. Men are designed to pursue us. Mm -hmm. They are designed to protect us. They are designed to think of what it is we need and provision for us. That's just natural. That's the cultural way of men. No matter what 
culture they are. I have not met any men that don't feel like I should protect you or do you need anything or they're sisters. You better not mess with my sister. You know, you don't talk about my mom. It happens. And so we have to think unconsciously and consciously mm-hmm. when we're seeing that to say, you know what, I'm still going to go over there and I'm going to talk to Tabitha and I'm going to say, hi, how are you? And anyone in the office that doesn't like it, then that's on them. You know, so I am like enjoying the fact that you didn't know each other and you call that to our attention because that is magic. That is just being a human being. But because we have to consciously call it out because it doesn't happen enough, it is, it's that girl magic, you know, um, and, and it's, it's awesome. And so we have a question on the mic. It's more of a comment, I would say. Um, she did say that I am also from Nigeria, and I moved to the United States six years ago. And just being in college, when I first got to college, the first question I was always asked is, I heard Africans don't like African Americans. And in my head, it was just a question I could never understand. Yeah. And I was like, how is that so? Like, I've never met you. Like, <laughs> why, 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 why would I dislike like, you already? Right? I've never met you. I've never oh, seen man. you a day in my life. So what would make you think yeah. that I don't like you? But, you know, it's a society. And just being here, as long as I have been, I have come to find out that it's a society. You know, something that is just... It, we, we're not born with it, but it's just the more, the upper we grow and the more we grow, it's just like, okay, this is what society expects of us to think of each other. Exactly. And, you know, just mm-hmm. a couple years ago, we started with the light skin, dark skin. Oh, God. Like, uh, okay, oh, she's God. light skin, so she's getting all the attention. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, more than that's more than the dark years skin ago. Yeah. And, life. you know, it's just something <laughs> that I, as a person, still haven't, you know, I haven't understood. But what I tend to do whenever I get those kind of questions and comments is to sit down and have a discussion. I'm like, this is my culture. This is where I come from. And I want to explain that to you if you're willing to listen. So, you know, I just wanted to say I do appreciate the fact that y'all got together. You've never met each other and y'all work in the same space. And, you know, instead of tearing each other down, they, you know, we work together. We build ourselves up. And I just want to say Yeah. I kind of blame the internet because, (laughs) no, honestly, because that is something that is perpetuated here in in America about African uh, cultures and not even a specific country, Mm -hmm. but about, you know, people from Africa in general. Yeah, it's, well, first of all, there's that, right? Like, it's a whole continent and people talk about it. It's not a country, it's a continent. They act like they don't know that. Right. It's like, you don't even know. Anyway, but that is perpetuated, and I'm glad you said that openly because one, I don't know if, if a lot if everyone in this room knows that 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 is a a, a, a bias that we're led to believe that that people from African cultures have against right. not just African American women but against African American people in yeah, general. It is, and uh, and it's and it's wrong, and it, it it causes this conflict and this reverse like attitude mm-hmm. towards it. So yeah, we we do need to talk more to dispel that because it's, yeah. it yeah. doesn't make sense. We do. Yeah, I, I've actually spent quite some time trying to break down my culture, right? <laughs> yeah, I really have in yeah. my 30s. Um, go ahead, please. Hi, my name's Chantel Hemmons, and I'm with Abbott. I'm actually from Canada, and um, I just cool. been very interesting for me to be here and, and hear all these comments. And I just want to make sort of a different comment. So I, I'm the director of manufacturing at our facility, and I have about 500 people in my organization, and we're very diverse. We're very diverse in education, 
you know, high school, people who don't have high school, all the way up to, to PhDs and what have you. And I think for me, one of our biggest challenges we have in Canada is that we need to encourage our daughters at a very young age that they can be good at math, they can be good at science. I have two sons and two daughters, uh, and it's interesting, I've been in science for a long time. Three of my four haven't, aren't doing science, and they just went different ways. But I've mm -hmm. noticed in the education system, we need to let our daughters know that they can be good at math, they can be good at engineering and science and chemistry. And I think for us in Canada, that's something we really we need to do more of and really raise that up. Because when I was, um, I'm 55 years old, and I was in grade six science. I was, my dad was in the military, and my science teacher said to my dad, your daughter should never go into science. Women need to do home economics oh, and be ready to stay home. That's a long time ago, but that, that goes to show ago. you, we're right, that that's ago. what we're dealing with. So anyways, for me, I think it's really starting with our kids young, yes. letting them know, I mean, my sons too, but my daughters especially, you can be good in science, you can yeah. be good in engineering, you, you've got it. So that's the comment I wanted to make. That's yeah, an awesome I statement. For that, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm passionate about encouraging young girls specifically to pursue STEM careers. I think we need to get in the classrooms in front of them as women, as women in STEM, as professional women in STEM successful, teaching them the fundamentals that they can take with them. And, and although I appreciate a lot of the programs that are out there to teach young people about STEM, we need to be teaching them more practical things about it, about what kind of careers specifically they can have, and about the skills that they need to take into math and science. And so um, if you have, there are programs probably in your community that can help do it. And if there's not one at your company uh, and you are a woman in STEM, please think about going to the schools in your community and talking to them because it's it's so important. And it is, the, it is one other way, one other avenue that we can influence the number of women that are in this field. But we've got to start when they're younger and before they get to high school or middle school, mm -hmm. before they start doubting that they can do math and science and before someone gets in their ear and tells them that math and science aren't for them or they see that that boys are more catered to in, in those spaces. They need to see us, yeah. right? For sure. Yeah. And, and we also have to spend some time understanding the academia and curriculum within the STEM community because everything is not zeros and ones. Every, Yes, I get it. I, I know how to code. I, I know different languages, and I do use it um, when I get a chance to get on the keyboard, which is not often anymore. But um, there are there are other avenues within STEM that can, you can contribute to besides girls can code. Girls can also strategize. Girls mm -hmm. can also identify talent. Girls can also write those curriculums that seem to be a challenge to exist within the military as we mm -hmm. start to pursue cyber mm -hmm. as an MOS. Mm -hmm. There are so many other things that we, we should pay attention to, but I think what you said is most critical, is if we don't give that foundation mm -hmm. right at Head Start in kindergarten, if we don't start teaching that, very early, just some of the basics of mathematics and science and reasoning and, and drawing conclusions and comprehending what you're, you're reading and articulating, being able to communicate, and then adding that confidence that you can be in this space, then we're going to lose a lot of, our, we are losing a lot of opportunities. Um, because if you know, for me, if you know the basics, I've told, I go to the schools and I speak and I say, if you know the basics and you understand some of the basic functions of programming, 
You may not want your hands on the keyboard all the time, but maybe you would engineer a new system for that software programmer to use because you understand how the hardware needs to be configured so that the software can work. So it's those things. And you know, you get young girls that like their eyes open up. They they think, oh, I can't code, or I have 17 young women in Fairfax County who don't like code. They know how to do it. They went to Black Girls Code. They got the little hackathons um, symbols, and they have their different um, awards, and they don't like it. They don't like it. It's always oh, boring. After they master, I can do that, and now I know how to make a computer talk and say that and do the things I wanted to do. Now I'm bored. And so then it's, well, I'm going to go do something else. And it's most of the time, they are steered to something else versus staying in the field. So I also think that we have to be able to show that there are multiple avenues mm -hmm. within the STEM. And I like to use, um, I like to marry something they already like to technology. Yeah. Like something they're already interested in. If you're interested in fashion, figure out a way to automate some some delivery of some publications that you're interested mm -hmm. in to deliver to you and, and be present on present on whatever device you like to look. Because automation is so easy and the languages are so easy to even teach yourself these days. So uh, don't say you don't like coding. <laughs> don't say that. Think of it as a tool like anything else, right? Yeah. Like it's just a thing that can help you get further. And in 10, 20 years, whether you like it or not, the, all careers are going to require some technical acumen. And the more you embrace it, the more marketable and valuable you'll be. Absolutely. And, and before we jump to the next question, I'll just say that everything that has been said right now leans towards the power of mentorship. Mm -hmm. because not everybody has a mom or an aunt that's going to tell them how smart they are and how they can be whatever they want to be, mm -hmm. right? Like I was you know, Nigerian from birth. I had to be something, yeah, I'm not even going to go there. Like I had no choice, right? Doctor, Where I am lawyer. right now, I didn't have a choice. I had to be here. But not every girl has that. They really don't. And so mentorship, whether at any stage of your life, wherever you are right now, you can get in touch with elementary schools and say, hey, look, once a month, I want to come. They'll pull aside some girls. And you can talk to them about how fun STEM is because they need to know that science is not about just becoming a medical doctor. There is so much outside of science and technology and engineering and math mm -hmm. that they don't know, but they will if we teach them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we're going to jump to the next. We're definitely not going to get through all of this. Just be prepared. Yeah, um, maybe you could email. We're getting through them, I think. We're chopping. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to filter through to get to a really interesting one. Is, is there anyone on here that anybody is really, really uh, passionate about? The age one. The age one. All right, let's go to question number four. So do you think that age can be a barrier for career progression and mentorship with more senior leadership? So i.e. younger women interacting with older women. Um, so since I kind of planted that, and I, I mean, okay, so um, I look young. Um, I look younger than I am. Let me just say that. And, <laughs> and it is so interesting, the reaction I get before I open my mouth versus the reaction after I open my mouth. And so I get a lot of girl and sweetie and honey and and uh, yeah, and a lot of um, dismissive attitude and 
I'm diminished. And then because I'm small and I look young. And, the, and so the attitudes toward me, and, and I'm going to be honest, even at this conference, are diminutive until I speak. And then I get, how old are you? <laughs> <laughs> it's real. And we should stop it, honestly. Um, Chinoy left the room, but she had a quote she shared uh, that her dad used to say to them all the time. And it's, there's no finality in knowledge, right? We can learn from everyone, mm -hmm. and we should stop acting like younger people don't have something valuable to share and contribute. And I am actually proud to work in a field where, at a certain level amongst colleagues, so maybe entry level all the way up to principal engineer, we actually value the young people more. Mm -hmm. They just got out of school. Our, our information, I mean, the, the, what we learn how to do in, in our field, it has a, a shelf life. And so if you went to school 15 years ago, the way you know how to do stuff is already obsolete five years later. And so we need those young people to show us and usher us into new technologies and open our minds to those things. We value them. We, we bombard them. We jump them when they walk in the door like, hey, how do you do this now? What are they teaching you? Mm -hmm. So we should really stop treating young people like they're not valuable in what they have to say. And we should stop trying to act like they have to prove something to us. <laughs> we hired them. Yeah. We interviewed them. We put them through the ringer. They are supposed to be there. So, so don't diminish anybody, especially because of age. And the best, well, not the best. I got lots of really good advice. But one piece of advice I got that was really valuable was, the other way, too, don't diminish people because they're older. Ask an older person for help. Ask them a question for you and for them. Ask them. They have so much to share, so much experience, and, and there's so much wisdom there that we can all learn from. Okay, I'll share. Yeah. yeah, I had um, thought about that one, too, in a lot of different ways. And, you know, for myself, when I first came in the organization, before I even came full-time, there was an uh, older white lady who literally was my sponsor, and she was my mentor, and she took me under her wing and told me what looks right in the professional work world, and I was forever thankful for her for that. And yeah. then as I've gone through the ranks and being able to go on college campus, young people are looking for us just to be real with them and just be able to um, share life experiences and share those things that are good and bad. And I think that, um, of course, there's always going to be, I call the technology gap of how they see social media compared to us. But at the end of the day, if we make ourselves relevant to them, that we are available to them, even in the midst of the age differences, I think that we can overcome those things that we sometimes put those barriers up. So I think age can be um, a bearer for career progression for um, the younger generation. And I think it has a whole lot to do with insecurity. Mm -hmm. um, there's that job security that's I'm not ready to retire. I'm not prepared to retire. Um, that is when I talk to people, it was always about retirement. And I, I had a hard time as a 24 year old understanding why do you think I want you to retire? I don't want you to go anywhere. Because I want you to stay here to help me with where I'm trying to go. And that 
conversation with that um, with that executive at that time. She was three levels up from me, but I was working at such a fast pace, and I was talking to her about business intelligence and dashboards and you know how. It, and she didn't. She's just like, whoa, whoa, no, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. And you're not gonna do that. And it was scary for her. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, most people know how to deal with that. I, I, I count myself really blessed because I grew up around um, all of my elders. So I communicated with my grandma a lot. I still talk to my mother every day. Um, so it's easy for me to gravitate to an older person and become really good friends with them. All my girlfriends are older than me. Um, so it just really depends. But I think there's also people who are older than us in the workplace, been there for 25 and 30 years, that just want to be shown that they are still valued. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that that barrier is going to change unless we show them that there's value there. Mm -hmm. I don't want you to retire. I don't want you to feel like I want to put you in a corner and that you're not important. But I also want the opportunity to grow. Mm -hmm. And I, I want to glean from you not to push you out, but so that we can grow the organization as a whole because there's value in the history as well as how do you bring the new things in. So I do think it's a barrier that we have to be just very conscious of. And when we see it happening, we have to you know, to assess what's what's happening and, and figure out how we can help in that particular area. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So I think we have time for like maybe one more question. Um, when we were speaking, um, somebody had mentioned that there was a question around how they got to where they were. And <laughs> it was kind of insinuated that they got as high as they did outside maybe like question like did you get there outside of the office right so so let's tie that into question number six which is do you think there is a lot of stigma about what we have to do to grow in an organization so that's mine i was trying to keep it clean yeah. <laughs> so that's mine i just want to share that i was asked you know you were you spent time in the army you got out of the army you went to dhs yes People will run your whole resume down to you. You went there and then you did this, but you've never been in the Marine Corps. So who'd you sleep with to get that job? Because I want to know if he has a brother. <laughs> I'm not joking. I didn't mean that. And this was an executive who asked me this in the Department of Defense. Um, and so I was taken back because I had never been asked that question before. I had heard about these kinds of conversations, but I had never, ever been asked. And I literally broke down in tears at that moment. Like, I couldn't even answer the question. I was just like, my voice was breaking and cracking. Um, and she felt that it was a conversation that needed to be had so that she could teach me how to get even further than where. And so my question to the panel when we were on the, when we were on the call, I need to help with that. I did. I was, you know, I really need to understand what that's all about. Um, it is sometimes in, I, it was implied, and then it was like just verbatim asked to me. And and so of course the answer was I, that's not something I do. You know, I have a different set of values clearly, and I think it was. Mm -hmm. I think it was. Yeah, it was Jonah. Me. Yeah, because um. Yeah, that helped me. With yeah, that. it because I could relate to that. 
when we talked about it in our conference calls, because I can remember coming up, you know, in a state of Louisiana mm -hmm. and the guard was known to be the good old boy system. And so many of the guys were like, okay, how did you get here? You must've done some things or they like you because, and mm -hmm. you, and you know, and you're looking at them kind of strange, like, what are you talking about? Yeah. And, um, you learn to get thick skin mm -hmm. and you learn to realize that they don't understand. And like I shared with them that they don't know my story. Mm -hmm. They don't know how I got there. Mm -hmm. They don't know what it took behind the scenes when they were probably, you know, sleeping at night and I was still up at night trying to study and make sure I was ahead of the game. Mm -hmm. And so I think that with it, you just learn to know that as we continue to grow and develop, they're going to be always, I feel like some people, they're going to try to stop you from reaching your goals, but you got to be conscientious of knowing with confidence that you got where you got because of you doing what you needed to do in the area of academics and hard work. And I think that that's are the tearing factors that try to keep us from reaching success mm -hmm. and you just you just dismiss them and then that goes right back to what we talked about earlier you got to stay in your circle mm -hmm. your circle of friends your circle of life of those people who you can help support you those are the things that keep you going when you're trying to reach your goals and then knowing who you are and then being aligned to whatever that spiritual being of how you connect is what gets you to the path in the direction. Awesome, thank you so much. So we're at time, but before we wrap up, I wanted to give Renata like maybe two more seconds yeah. or like a minute to really talk about this exciting project that she has. Yes, 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 yes. Come yes. on now. Yeah, do yes, it. please. <laughs> it made That's us all so, so I'm writing a book. Woo! Yeah. So there's this thing called Black Engineer of the Year Award. It's called BEA. If you haven't heard about it, it happens in February. It's coming up, February 2020. I think it is the second weekend in February, the 13th to the 15th. Um, that Thursday night and Friday, um, I will be doing a book launch. The name of the book is Act Like a Lady, Think Like the Boss Lady. Um, so being the director of Boss Lady Network, I have a little wallet thing on the back of my phone. It's all about being large and in charge of your life and, and having all of this as well as that connectivity um, and that network of friends, family, um, and, and, and just talking about the totality of being a woman. The last chapter will probably be the best blessing of your life, which is called the audacity to be you. Um, because how dare you be you and how dare you love yourself and date yourself and understand why you are your first soulmate. Um, so that's a project that I'm being held accountable for. It's been going on since 2015. So it's taken me four years to get the confidence and the wherewithal to release a very controversial topic because it is act like a lady, think like a man, and I am not interested in doing so. And I think that the voices that need to be heard is how do you act like a lady and think like the boss lady being large and in charge of your life as a relationship from a professional perspective, who you are spiritually and the grounding that you have for, you know, that spiritual being. 
um, and just having the audacity to be you. So I'm excited about that. You'll, you'll, you'll read a lot of the experiences from women of color and some of the comments that are being had here today, some of the conversations. I won't quote anyone's names, but um, I get a lot of content from the conferences that I speak at. So if you see something familiar, just, you know, kind of look at it and grin. But there will be book signing, and um, I'm, I'm excited about that. Um, before we close out, thank you so much. I want to say one thing that we talked about, about the support group. If you have a support group that is consistently telling you that it is not you, please believe them. They are not telling you that to boost your ego. They're not telling you that because they don't want to hurt your feelings. Mm -hmm. It probably is not you. Mm -hmm. And I'm speaking from experience because I would tell my support group, you're just saying that because you don't want to hurt my feelings. You're just telling me that I didn't do anything wrong because you don't want to be held, you don't want to hold me accountable. Don't make the mistakes that I made that I was blessed to be able to respond to and, and bounce back from. But if your support group is your support group, they are there to be authentic mm -hmm. and allow them to be authentic in that space, even if they are telling you something that you don't agree with because it is something that is good about you. So I just wanted to tell you that. That's a great way to end. Yeah. Renata, Mecca, Jonah, thank you so much. Thank you. Women thank are you. awesome. Thank y'all. And uh, thank you all for coming. I just want to send out a quick reminder um, as far as the um, CEU credits or the PDH credits. These are the continuing education units and the professional development hours. Uh, please make sure to register at the Morgan State University table to receive them. All right. Thank you so much. Have a great afternoon. And the survey. Please remember to also fill out your surveys. That's it. In the app. This is why teamwork is good. Thank you for listening to Super Mega Ultra Women. Build up, not tear down. A professional development seminar featuring Cyber Technology Officer for the United States Marine Corps or Cyberspace Command, Renata Spinks. Director of Reintegration for the Louisiana National Guard, Joan Hughes. Senior Engineer for NetApp Incorporated, Mecca Williams and Senior Systems Reliability Program Manager for GE Renewable Energy, Nguzi Arubo. If you've enjoyed this presentation, be sure to attend the Women of Color STEM Conference. For more information on how you, your company, or organization can take part, visit www.womenofcolor.net. For college students, contact us at 410-244-7101. Zero one.